Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has a chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and now that Megatron is dead, I am now the leader of the Decepticons! Keep telling yourself that, Starscream. Ah! Today I'm going to make a Starscream film. <laughs> yes, let's make a Starscream film. A while ago, I was thinking, do I want to do all Transformers? How do I want to do Transformers? Do I want to just recreate the Bayformers from scratch? Do I want to do a new thing? Do I want to do something based off of Bumblebee? And I'm going with the latter, because I finally watched Bumblebee yesterday. Okay. It was really good. Yeah. I was thinking after about how, really, to the uninformed, you people who aren't big Transformers fans, I think they only really know five Transformers off the top of their head. Optimus, Megatron, Bumblebee, Starscream, and RC. Yeah. They know R.C. because she's the one girl. Yeah. She's pink. Um, and now maybe if you if you grew up with the kids who watched the Beast the Beast Morphers, then you're not Beast Morphers, that's Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> the Beast Wars, then you might be familiar with like a, your Cheetor or your Rat Trap yeah. or, or their Megatron. Yeah, it's also was, very good. Yeah, yes. that was my Transformers, so yay. Um, and my Transformers was the Beast Wars, but also a little bit the animated Transform the Transformers animated. Okay, yeah, that one. Like that's it was called that. It was between when they did Prime, which was the most recent and extremely well received Transformers cartoon, yeah. and after they had done the Armada continuity, which was like we've got Minicons, we've got Cyber Keys, we've got we're taking all of our anime child sidekicks to planets all across the universe, but all of our Transformers are CGI. Wow. Yeah. Which hey, I heard the Armada series was pretty good. I never watched it though. Yeah, same here. But in between those two, there was Transformers Animated, which, like, most of the returning Transformers were not. Yeah. Like, you did have Optimus and Bumblebee and Ratchet, but instead of any other, like, sidekicks, you had Prowl, and then you had Bulkhead, who was just straight up a new Transformer on the Autobots. And Mm -hmm. on the Decepticon side, Megatron was missing, and so the leadership mainly fell to Starscream and Black Arachnia. Yeah, Black Arachnia was in Transformers animated cartoon. Neat. Also, um, oh, what was his name? There was Blitzwing, who, he's a, a G1 Transformer, but he hadn't been seen for a while, as far as I know. And then they also had Lugnut, who transformed into a bomber, and his main attack was the punch of kill everything. <laughs> But we're not doing Transformers Animated, but I'm bringing it up because I'm going to draw a little bit from it. So I'm making a Starscream movie. Yeah. I feel like before they do any big, big Transformers movies, they should do these smaller solo films the way they did Bumblebee. Because Bumblebee is really good because it didn't get bogged down with all the robots just smashing against each other. Yeah. It had heart. It was a coming of age. It was like E.T., except with a girl who was a mechanic and a robot who was a car alien. Yeah. It was like... Whoever wrote the script realized that Michaela is actually the more interesting character of the Michael Bay movies. Yes. <laughs> As vindicated by Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> also, also a lot of people think that Charlie and Bumblebee have a thing with each other. Also indicated by Lindsay Ellis. Mm. I don't know what reading you're getting out of it. Uh, Bumblebee is too baby to, for me to view him as a love interest to anyone. He is he is Charlie's little brother. Yeah. 
but we're not talking about Bumblebee right now. It might come up later. Yeah. I did watch it mainly to see if there was any atmosphere stuff I could take from it, and I, I don't think there really was, other than just a general sense of z- scale things down. Yeah. And then I decided to do the opposite. Oh. Because there's the other thing Bumblebee does that a lot of people really liked, is that Bumblebee... Have you seen Bumblebee yet? Um, to be honest, I haven't. I have read the synopsis, so... Okay. So you know that it begins with a full-on battle set on Cybertron where everything is CGI and looks basically like a modernized take on the G1 cartoon. Yeah. Like, it looks... Um, when I first saw a gift set of it, someone was like, oh, I don't remember this part of War for Cybertron, like this, because this isn't from a video game. This is the Bumblebee movie. <laughs> and all of, I've heard several people say, why can't we just make a Transformers movie that's all that? Well, we're not making one that's all that. But it's going to be about half that. Okay. So here's the other thing, is that I was looking at Starscream's backstory. Because I know what Starscream is now. We, we all know that Starscream is the backstabber who's trying to take over the Decepticons at every opportunity. Yeah, to the point where a trope has been named after him. Exactly. But I didn't really know his origin story. But I took a quick look at both Starscream's origins and Megatron's origins. So Megatron began as, like, a gladiator sports hero celebrity. Okay. That used his position of fame to rally the other Decepticons around him. Okay, so he is evil Russell Crowe and Gladiator? A little bit. Okay. Well, because Russell Crowe was like, hey, we shouldn't have to fight for the ruling class's uh, amusement. There, As far as I can tell, there wasn't really a ruling class. Uh, on Cybertron when Megatron started, but there were still, like, there was a division between Decepticons and Autobots because they had evolved from uh, different machines that the Quintessens had built. Not to, not to get too lost in the Transformer sauce, but the Transformers were created by aliens called the Quintessens, and then they fought the Quintessens away, and so then the Decepticons evolved from military hardware, and the Autobots evolved from, like, rescue hardware and other accessories. Okay. <laughs> Which... It, it is amusing, because then you can look at the Decepticon Soundwave, who turns into a stereo and is like, Ah yes, stereo. The most powerful of military hardware. I mean, they are developing sonic weapons, but... Okay. I wouldn't say that the boombox is a sonic weapon unless you're playing... Spice uh, Girls? <laughs> really loudly. <laughs> it's psychological warfare. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a reason why they play mom music and like, Walmart to make sure that the teens don't stick around for too long. Uh, joke's on then. Now the teens love mom music. Yeah. It's flipped back around. <laughs> but yeah, so Megatron was a sports hero, essentially, and then he used that to rally the Decepticons and convince them that the Autobots were oppressing them. Okay. And then, the, hey, you know what's a great thing? War and genocide. Let's do it, Decepti-bros. Great. Meanwhile, Starscream was a young and up-and-coming Decepticon, and he was a scientist. Do you know Starscream was a scientist once upon a time? Huh. Interesting. But yeah, so, so, so you have Starscream, who's basically a nerd. You have Megatron, who's basically a jock. Yeah. Megatron forms, Megatron forms his like, Decepticon high command with himself, Shockwave, and Soundwave. And then they induct Starscream into their ranks. The Starscream movie is Mean Girls. <laughs> <That's>... 
This is what happens when you give Regina George actual power. <laughs> and she can turn into a gun. And she can turn into a gun. Oh my god, Karen, you can't just ask someone why they're a triple changer. <laughs> so the Starscream movie is going to start on Cybertron, and it is going to start with Starscream being this, Aw, I am Starscream, I'm a tiny little nerd, I hope the Megatron looks at me because he's so cool and hot. Starscream is going to have a crush on Megatron. I'm sure that is not a new reading. But there's so much, like, look at me senpai sort of shit going on. There's, oh, that Starscream has a complex. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, let me check something on AO3. It's probably a massive tag. There is over a thousand. There's probably, there's probably much, much more um, on account of it. Most of it is probably on FFNet. And yeah. it's harder to search for pairings on that site. They haven't updated it since, like, 2003, it feels well, like. The, no, that they've done updates. See, the, the problem isn't that FFNet hasn't updated. It's that there's all the old fanfics yeah. that didn't go back and update their sorting system. Because now yeah. you can specifically say that, oh, this fanfic has these two characters paired together yeah. on FFNet. But you can't expect everyone who was posting shit in there in the 90s to... The, the married housewife to go on the computer while no one's looking and go find her old Starscream Megatron pegging fanfic <laughs> and change the settings so that is now searchable <laughs> as a Megatron Starscream pairing. Who's so, on top in this pairing? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is Megatron a power bottom? <laughs> so yeah, we start with Starscream as this like little nerdy Decepticon who just wants to learn about science and he wants to be cool like the other Decepticons. And then he like he does something to like help Megatron. Either he saves his life through pure chance or he, like, discovers something that, like, Oh, Megatron, you can use this to your advantage in fighting the Autobot menace! And Megatron's like, Yes, thank you, Starscream. <laughs> well, that, that was Beast Wars Megatron. D G1 Megatron is like, Ah, Starscream! I think this Beast... is bad comedy. I think uh, Beast Wars had the better voice. Oh, he, he really did, but we can't use that. Because we can only bring in so much Beast Wars. We can only bring in a small amount of Beast Wars to this. And the Starscream becomes Megatron's, like, apprentice slash boy toy? Yeah, boy toy. Um, and, like, the first act of the movie, kind of, is just set during Megatron's Rebellion. Like, we're not going to see the beginnings of the Rebellion. This kind of had to lay it out so that we knew where we were starting. But they'll probably just be like an opening crawl or Starscream, like casually saying it during the dialogue. I'm in Megatron, you're the Decepticons to destroy the Autobots because we hate them. Okay. And now he's my best friend. Keep telling yourself that. Eventually, over the course of the first act, we, because we have to get invested in Starscream Megatron's one sided friendship, and then something has to happen. That causes Starscream to start doubting Megatron's ability to lead, or at the very least think that he, Starscream, is a much superior leader to the Decepticons. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure what that would be. Sorry, that was me prompting you to <laughs> suggest something. Uh, I also have not done my homework. You don't really need to do your homework. I'm just thinking, like, what, what are things that cause friends to fall apart? 
Uh, especially when we're talking about Starscream having a real big complex. I feel like Starscream definitely has a case of um, inferiority-superiority complex, so maybe, like, it actually turns out that he's a fairly good warrior, he's doing stuff, like, really well over time, and it never seems to be enough, and maybe at some point Megatron... It shouldn't be, like, a big fuck-up, but it should be a bit of a fuck-up that uh, Starscream feels like, hey, maybe I... I could do a better job than that. Why don't I do something or other? Or it's the whole Iago, like, why did this person get the position I wanted, like, nice and close to Megatron over me? That Yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm thinking. That, that's, sounds, nah, that sounds like it would make a lot of sense, hearing it out loud. Yeah. So it'd be like Starscream does all this work for Megatron and stuff, and he's like, oh, and now I'm going to get the big promotion to second-in-command. And then Megatron's like, I want Shockwave to be my second-in-command, because he has no feelings whatsoever, and it's fucking relaxing. (laughs) And maybe Starscream is, uh, he doesn't realize that he comes off a bit strong. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not obsessed with Megatron, I just want him to love me forever. (laughs) Everybody else is like, say that again? (laughs) And yeah, it just like curdles into this whole like Helga Batansky, I love him, I hate him. (laughs) We see we see Starscream's quarters and he's just got the shrine to Megatron. (laughs) He's built his own miniature Megatron out of like spare Autobot parts. <laughs> I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, Starscream, he gets passed over for the promotion. He starts having a bit of a breakdown. And he tries to rally the other Decepticon troops. He's like, listen, Megatron is a great and wonderful leader, and he has very broad shoulders, but I believe that from a strategic sense, I am a superior Decepticon. <laughs> Megatron has the grand vision, but I have the plan to make it true! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so then as time goes on, this is just going to slowly mutate into Starscream (laughs) hating Megatron. But also loving Megatron. Just can't let it go. His obsession goes from romantic to just pure obsession. Yeah. And at some point, Megatron is going to catch wind of this. Because of course he will. Yeah. At the end of the the prologue of Bumblebee, all the Autobots like jump into escape pods and escape from Cybertron while Starscream leads an attack on the tower. And then after that, Starscream is like, yes, I am successful. I have stopped almost every Autobot from fleeing. And Megatron's like, and now do you think you should be leader of Decepticons? This is me talking now. Yeah. <laughs> this was, was, was like, I'm thinking Megatron was like, do you still think you should be leader of Decepticons? You let them get away. Oh, but Megatron! Oh, glorious leader! I, I was just following your orders. Yes, you always seem to be doing that whenever I'm looking. And then you tell everyone that you should be leader instead. Well, now you can be leader. of a planet of scrap! And then he'll shove Starscream in an escape pod and hit the button and launch Starscream into space. <laughs> so then Act 2 of the film will be on Earth. I don't know timeline-wise whether I want it to be slightly before Bumblebee, 
or after Bumblebee or during Bumblebee, but basically Starscream will crash land on Earth. Uh, he has to quickly reformat himself into a jet plane, and he's just kind of like wandering around, not knowing what to do. Because <laughs> he's like, hmm, what if I started taking out the world leaders? And then he'll try try doing that, and then he'll just get like hit by all the anti-aircraft weaponry, because even if it's a few years before or after Bumblebee, that's still the height of the Cold War. Yeah! Maybe, um... There were a couple close calls. There's plenty of videos on YouTube for people to look at. Yeah. Well, also just like, in Bumblebee, the US military ends up teaming up with two of the Decepticons. The two Decepticons who show up, they say, yes, we're peacekeepers and we're looking for a dangerous criminal. And then John Cena says, they're called Decepticons. That's a villain name if I've ever seen one. And then the scientist says, yeah, but if we say no to them, then they could take their technology to the Russians. <laughs> Was there a long pause and then a sigh after that? N- no, he- no, the general was like, oh, fuck, you're right. All right, we'll team up with them and then we'll kill them because we can definitely do that. And they can't do that. They suck. They're the U.S. military. But that being said... <laughs> That being said, if Scarscream, an idiot, <laughs> turns into a jet and then tries to fly directly at the nearest U.S. like military base, they're going to get on the horn and say, please identify yourself. And then Starscream will just say, I am Starscream and I claim this planet for the glory of Megatron. The commanders are going to look at each other and go like, yeah, blow him out of the sky. He's an idiot. He's either Russian or he's a rogue. We can't have either one. <laughs> boom, boom. Starscream goes, oh, I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> ah! So he flies around, like, the open countryside while picking up radio signals of, like, one is the loneliest number that oh. can ever be. And then he collides with a large robot bug. A large robot bug. Yes, a large robot bug! Uh... Oh, why Waspinator get hit by plane? Poor Waspinator. <laughs> I have placed Waspinator in the film because he's my favorite. <laughs> I think Waspinator is a lot of people's favorites. So Starscream, by colliding with the wayward Waspinator, is going to find out that, hey, he's not the tra- first Transformer to crash land on Earth. There's actually a few that have landed here, either by exile or just wandering around. So this, I'm taking this a bit of this from a page of the Transformers yeah. Animated. Part of it is, the again, the inclusion of Waspinator, because Waspinator was in the animated series. Yeah. But also, there was an episode of Animated where the human main character had to like put together a set of substitute Autobots, while the other Autobots were, I believe, off-world. Okay. And they were composed of Dinobot, uh, one of the Constructicons, and Rekgar. <laughs> now, Rekgar is... I don't know much about him from G1, but he was a guy from, like, a garbage planet who turned into a garbage truck, and he was voiced by Eric Idle, and his, like, theme song was Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al. And then when they couldn't get Eric Idle to reprise the role in Animated, they just got Weird Al to voice him. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like this. (laughs) And we're getting Weird Al to voice him again. Yes. So, yeah. So, Rekgar is here. We're going to have one of the Constructicons. I'm not sure which one. Let me quickly look up which ones were even in animated. Yeah, Mixmaster. Because he had a Brooklyn accent. And a mustache. He had mutton chops. Oh, man. Mixmaster looks like the Decepticon version of our friend Duncan. 
Oh, no. Or, oh, yes, I don't know. According to TF Wiki, his voice is very reminiscent of Joe Pesci's. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then again, a lot of people can do a Joe Pesci accent or impression. Not always good, though. Hey, I'm transforming here. <laughs> Whatever you want, Mixmaster gets. <laughs> um, also, he has a decent heart. But he's only a Decepticon because Megatron offered to him and his fellow Constructicons better oil. <laughs> also, he, will, he wolf whistles at passing cars. Jeez. Yeah. So Mixmaster's here. Wasbanator is also here. Wasbanator is a Predacon. The other Decepticons don't like the Predacons much, so they launched us into space and we landed on a jungle planet. But then the other Predacons didn't like Wasbanator, so Wasbanator got thrown at Earth too. Oh, Wasbanator just wants to go home. Aw, poor baby. So Starscream creates this, like, army of, of backup Decepticons. Army is in air quotes. Yeah. Because they're all a little bit idiots, led by Starscream, who's a different flavor of idiot. Yeah. And they are going to attempt to take out a nearby U.S. military base. <laughs> Again, they're not very good at it. Yeah. A good chunk of the rest of the film is basically just antics. Yes. Because if there's any high point of paranoia during this period of the 20th century, it's the 80s. Fuck you, Reagan. You know what? You know what? Maybe we should throw some Stranger Things kids in here. <laughs> For good measure. Who are able to, f to... are They are able to fully mess up all of Starscream's plans over the course of the film. Yeah. But they spend the whole thing thinking they're defeating the Russians. <laughs> At the end, one of the reasons I was thinking that I wanted it to be set during Bumblebee, the climax of Bumblebee... It has the two Decepticon triple changers who showed up, Shatter and Dropkick. By the way, Shatter is voiced by Angela Bassett. Oh, hmm. Which means we need a weird Academy Award winning... Wait, has it... if Angela Bassett hasn't won Academy Awards, she should have. Hang on, I have to look up uh, Academy Awards. No, she was only ever nominated for an Academy Award. But she has won some black reels and a Golden Globe. She's on the Hollywood Walk yep. of Fame. Several Image Awards. A Saturn Award for Strange Days. But Angela Bassett, she at the very least needs an Emmy. Because she's done some real good shit on American Horror Story, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I think I just watched an Angela Bassett American Horror Story compilation. I was like, damn. Give her the awards. <laughs> Anyways, so we, we need some kind of uh, highly accoladed voice actor for one of the Decepticons, at least. Yeah. But before we get into that. The climax of Bumblebee, it has Shatter and Dropkick trying to contact the rest of the Decepticons to tell them that Optimus is trying to establish a base on Earth and Bumblebee was, like, the first Autobot to arrive. Okay. And I have this idea that Starscream finds out about this and desperately wants to stop them because he wants to be the one who informs Megatron <laughs> that the Transformers are here. Of course. I'm, I'm not sure necessarily how to execute that because, obviously, they don't, like, there's no other Transformers who show up. During the climax. Aside from, like, the prologue and then a brief cameo of Optimus at the end, it's just Bumblebee, Shatter and Dropkick, and a little bit of Blitzwing when Bumblebee first shows up on Earth, but then Blitzwing gets blown up, so good for you, Bumblebee. Also, Bumblebee's voiced by Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> so we need to also get a Teen Wolf alumni. Who can do that? 
That high-pitched, screeching voice. Let me quickly Google who has voiced Star Scream. It looks like they're all, like, just actual voice actors. They're not celebrity voice actors. Yeah. I could possibly see, uh... Oh, fuck. Luke Skywalker. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill voicing him? Oh, that would work, actually, yeah. Because, like, his voice is in the right range, and he does, like, kind of off-the-wall evil really well. Yeah. That, okay, yeah. All right, so Mark Hamill is Starscream. Yeah. And Weird Al is Rekgar. <laughs> oh, what? Hang on. What if we just got Joe Pesci to voice Mixmaster? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't object. Yeah. That works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> And then who voices Wildsbanator? I mean, I feel like anyone could do that voice if they tried. Yeah. Get Tyler Hecklin, Teen Wolf alumni, player of Superman, voice actor of Sephiroth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing, because Wildsbanator, all you have to do is talk real nasally and buzz around a lot, and so that's really not a hard voice for anyone to do. That's true. Hmm. Just watching that Beast Wars. You know what I just... Who I just thought of? Um, Jay Baruchel. Oh, yes, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then as for the, the Stranger Things kids, eh, we can go with unknowns. Well, yeah, whatever up-and-coming young punks yes. we can find off the street. <laughs> I was trying to think if we should put an, uh, find like a girl Decepticon and put her in Starscream's Substitute Decepticons. But I got an idea. Okay. So there's an Autobot. Named Windblade. Okay. She's gotten a lot of hype ever since she was created because she was basically developed as part of, like, a, the fandom builds their own Transformer. Okay. Yes, she, she is the first officially fan-created Transformer ever, culmination of Hasbro's fan-built bot initiative program. And so, like, polls through social media determined her faction, alt mode, weapons, and all that names and gender, etc. And so ever since she was created in 2013, because she's a fairly recent creation, but ever since she was created, she's pretty much shown up in every major Transformers thing. Neat. And she looks pretty cool, too. And she's a jet. Yeah. So I'm thinking, what if Windblade sh- was able to like show up on Earth, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after Starscream, they crash land in a different part of the country that Bumblebee did, so they're not able to, like, detect the other Transformers who are showing up. And it's Windblade who D- Starscream and his uh, substitute Decepticons have to fight. Neat. So then, Windblade obviously would be played by an actress of Asian descent. Should we just put Ming-Na Wen in there? I mean, I can easily see her voice matching Windblade. Yeah. My thinking was either Ming-Na Wen or Gemma Chan. Yeah. Just because I want Gemma Chan to be in more stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was this one actress from The Man in the High Castle that I... Ah, there she is. Uh, Tao Okamoto. Uh, she's Japanese. Uh, she's been in a couple things now. She started off as a model. Oh, she played Mercy Graves. Yeah. Oh, and she's in Westworld. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's also a good pick. Oh, and she was in The Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Which, hey, was actually a lot better than people give her credit for. Yeah. It's not the best one, but... It's better than Wolverine Origins. <sighs> I think at this point, 
the bar for a good X-Men movie is basically like a bump in the road, and that bump in the road is Wolverine or- Origins. Yeah, I'd like to think that Days of Future Past is the real X-Men finale, because it took out Wolverine Origins and X-Men 3. Yeah. And then, oh, and I guess Logan is the other real finale. Yeah. Um, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix never happened. Mm-hmm. Have I mentioned watching Dark Phoenix on here? Nothing happens in Dark Phoenix. There's no moment of levity. It's just plots progressing as characters go, ah, ah, dang. Gene, Gene, ah, Gene, ah, dang, Gene. <laughs> Gene, dang it. You know, I feel like the soul-sucking I felt watching Dark Phoenix is similar to the soul-sucking a lot of Transformers fans felt watching the Michael Bay films. Except the Bay films at least have levity. You, one might argue too much levity, but yeah. at least there's something. Yeah, and I will fully admit I really enjoyed them when I was a dumb teenager. I mean, the first one, I would say, still holds up. Yeah. And the second one is entertaining? Question mark? You have to be in the right dipshit mood for it. It does have a, a minimum two racist stereotype Transformers, and it does also have robot testicles. But other than that... <laughs> Jetfire was entertaining. Yeah. He was an old man. It's like everything after that, it's just... Um, I don't remember what happened. Yeah, we, we don't need to get into that. We're focusing on good Transformers. We are yeah. focusing on the Starscream film, where yeah. the first act is robot Mean Girls. Yes. <laughs> On cycle 569, Megatron asked me what cycle it was, and I said, it's 569. <laughs> that was an attempt at October thir- the October 3rd joke. Yeah. I do not know how Decepticons tell time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's probably cycles. It's always cycles with aliens and robots and everyone cycles. Yeah, it's weird. And then one of the kids can say, cycle this, and they throw their bike at them. <laughs> also... Also, so if Starscream and Windblade get into a fight, I, I don't want her to kill the other Decepticons. I just want them to peace out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want Rekgar to go, this isn't fun anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I want Mixmaster to do uh, a, he- a heel face turn. Be like, oh, Windblade, she actually seems like a nice lady. And uh, the Autobots sound more fun than you, Starscream, because uh, he was kind of annoying. So bye. <laughs> yeah. And then Waspinator Waspinator has gone through more hell working for you than Waspinator did just being on his own. I'd rather be flying through New York and getting shot at by bodega owners than have to work for you another week. So goodbye! <laughs> I can totally see Waspinator getting owned by a particularly perturbed uh, store clerk. Waspinator had the most pathetic ending if you watched to the end of Beast Machines because, like, during Beast... Okay, at the end of Beast Wars, he gets to, like, rule over the the proto-humans. Yeah. And then at, at some time between that and Beast Machines, he gets yoinked back to Cybertron, but he gets turned into Thrust, who's a really cool motorcycle. Okay. And then at the end, when everyone gets reformatted, Waspinator gets turned into a wasp with Thrust's head. Aww. And that's the last we see of him. And it's tragic. Yeah. The tragical tale of Waspinator, who deserved better in this cruel, cruel world. <laughs> yep. Poor thing. Um, and yeah, also the fact that uh, Windblade can turn into a plane just makes thematic sense. And she and Starscream can have aerial dogfights. Yeah. Everybody likes a good dogfight. 
Mm-hmm. Flying overhead, like some predatory bird. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. I want... I want there to be... I want this to be chock-a-block full of Furmanisms. <laughs> Do you know what a Furmanism is? No, but it sounds fun. So, according to TF Wiki, by the way, it, even if you don't care about Transformers, take a few minutes every day to go through the TF Wiki because it is written with its tongue furly implanted in its cheek. Excellent. They, I'm, they do have a separate page for Truck Not Monkey. <laughs> but yeah, so Transformers comic writer Simon Furman, infamous among fans for reusing dialogue concepts frequently, and such phrases have been informally declared as Furmanisms. So you have stuff like things being referred to as some predatory bird. <laughs> Reap the whirlwind. <laughs> Down to earth. Literally. <laughs> the worst case of indigestion it's ever had. Oh. <laughs> These are just the ones that stand out. There's like 24 of them. Oh boy. Just search, search for your favorite Furmanisms. Incorporate Furmanisms into your daily vocabulary to demonstrate that you're an academic. <laughs> I think that's all I got. Yeah. Because, like, uh, yeah, you got your ending. It's pretty simple. And it sets up for, like, more stuff to happen on Earth. Yeah. And, like, it's hard for me to the pace out the... Yeah. It's hard for me to pace out specifics of the middle just because it'd be, hey, Starscream and friends engage in approximately half an hour of what are essentially Saturday morning cartoon plots played out for you in live action <laughs> with a $60 million effects budget or something or like that. I don't know how much robots cost. It's going to be a bit. On the upside, they can they probably don't have to do a lot of practical effects because there's not going to be very many scenes where the human child is like gently holding Starscream's head in order to convince him that they are safe and he is safe here. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've reached the end of my Energon supplies. So while I recharge, let's cut over to a friendship promo. Hey, I'm Saker. And I'm Evan. And our podcast is It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Hey, what's that podcast about, Ev? So do you know of a band called Bare Naked Ladies? One week. Yeah, yeah, that's one of them. Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Did you ever want to learn more about them? Or... Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, well, then this is the podcast for you because we teach you nothing with various guests. Yeah, like uh, like Matt Besser. Holy shit. Climbed in a second story window and partied in this house where we barely didn't know at all the people that was crazy holy fuck mike mitchell why well, I, I don't know how how like how much you guys really do love bare naked ladies justin mcelroy grab your tongue grab your tongue and i want you to say Our born tongue. on a pirate ship Bum on the pilot ship. you were born on a pile of shit and many more so check it out but also if you don't like bare naked ladies we talk about them probably like a third of the time so uh, yes that's every Tuesday, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We can make a board game about it. So, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at SparkyUpstart, and on Instagram, at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for not if I reboot you first, and they're pronounced No! I shall be leader of Decepticons! <laughs> you can also email us at not if I reboot you first at gmail.com where you can send us your comics, critiques, criticisms, or your favorite feminisms. 
You can even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the... Ah, I can't do that voice the whole time. Yeah. Send us a hint instead of the entire idea, because we like being surprised. And you can also rate and review us on your podcaster of choice, and if you can't find us on your podcaster of choice, uh, contact me and I'll try and get us in there. Let us know if we're bad comedy. <laughs> Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows we share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex, a.k.a. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. So, Lindsay. So, Tanner. Next week, we have another special guest. Awesome. And we do not have a hint from then, on account of even he is not sure what he's going to be doing next week. Ooh, mysterious. We are literally getting a multiple choice of options, and then we get to choose at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> okay. So, truly, we will find out what's going on next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. Bye.